sanctuary this morning. We also want to welcome all those listening on radio and watching us on Facebook Live. Thank you for joining us for worship this morning at First Church. We have several announcements before we start our service. First, I want us to thank the praise team for the beautiful prelude this morning. Uh, the roses on the altar in honor of two couples celebrating 50-plus years of marriage. 
Wayne and Karen Kettler will be celebrating 52 years of marriage on June 7th, and Jay and Kathleen Elsoff will be celebrating 58 years on June 8th. Both couples are in the church sanctuary today, so happy anniversary to both of you. Vacation Bible School starts tomorrow. As of this morning, we have 148 kids signed up. So if you are making cookies and can drop them off at the ministry center or put them in the church kitchen between now and Wednesday. So we thank you for providing the snacks for the kids. At this time, Tori would like to talk about the Vacation Bible Mission Project. Good morning. As you can see, it's VBS week. And like Jack said, we have 148 kids signed up for this week. So it is going to be really great, very busy, and we're very excited. But one way that you can be involved this week um, is through our offering. So this year, our offering is going towards the Family Life Center of All Glaze County. Um, and they help uh, be a Christ-centered care place for people that are experiencing crisis pregnancies or unexpected pregnancies. Um, So they have different places that moms can go into and like, you know, shop for diapers or things like that that they need for their young ones. Um, So as you can see, there's a lot of baby bottles. Um, You feel free to take one home, fill it with change throughout the week, and then bring it back next Sunday. Um, And we'll add that to our mission project total. Um, And then also this week, if you have a child that's coming to VBS, they're going to be getting one of these um, baby bottles on Wednesday. It's kind of like a midweek challenge to have them take it home, fill it with change, um, and bring it back for the um, Family Life Center. So that's one way you can be involved. Another way is through prayer. Uh, We need lots of prayer. It's going to be a great week, um, and I'm excited to see God move in the hearts of our students this week. So please be praying for us, for the teachers for the kids. It's going to be awesome. Um, also, one more thing that's not VBS related. Students, if you're, if you're here, um, tonight is our first night of summer Bible study. We're going to be watching the Chosen series together um, and doing a Bible study on the life of Jesus starting at 7 p.m. at my house tonight. So see you there and please be praying for VBS this week. Thank you. Thank you, Tori. There are numerous other announcements in your bulletin. I'd encourage you to take the time to look them over. And now those who are able to start our service this morning, would you please rise and join me in our call to worship. Loving God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, we thank and praise you for raising Jesus from the dead, the first fruits of your new creation, and for sending your spirit that we too may have new life in Christ. Thank you for giving us your spirit. We thank you and praise you for the power and promise of your Holy Spirit to lead and guide us in all our ways. Help us live in accordance with your spirit, setting our minds on what the spirit desires so that we may joyfully be alive in Christ. Thank you for giving us your spirit. We thank and praise you that the Spirit testifies to us that we are your children and that through the Spirit we can approach you in confidence as our compassionate Father. Thank you that that as co-heirs with Christ, we will share in his glory. Comfort us with the knowledge that your Spirit also helps us in our weakness and intercedes for us according to your will. Thank you for giving us your Spirit. 
in the name of Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you and the Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Please remain standing for opening praise song, Build My Life. Yeah. 
may be seated. Now will the children come forward for the children's chat with Sharon Colson? Hello. Guten Morgen. Wie geht's es Ihnen? Können Sie Mir verstehen? Everybody is looking at me kind of funny like. Wir haben mehr, mehr Kinder kommen. Bitte kommen Sie hier. Sie können hier sitzen auf die Steppe. Did you understand what I was saying? No. You're looking at me like, what is she saying? Let me try again. Eins, zwei, drei, vier, fünf, sechs, sieben, acht, neun, zehn, elf. Did you understand me that time? No. Okay. Let's try this. Uno, dos, tres, cuatro, seis. Now you understand what I'm saying? What am I saying? And I'm saying it in a different language, right? Okay. Very good. First, I was talking in German. Then, I was counting to 11 in German, and then I started counting in Spanish. But why didn't you understand me? Why didn't you understand what I was saying? You speak English. English is our native language. Okay? Now, I want to tell you what happened at Pentecost, which we celebrated a couple weeks ago. So from Acts 2, beginning on chapter, chapter 2, verse 1, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all gathered together in one place. Suddenly a noise came from heaven. It sounded like a strong wind blowing. This noise filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw something that looked like flames of fire. The flames were separated and stood over each person there, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak in different languages. No, it's no, but they did talk a lot of different languages at Babel. That's right. The Holy Spirit was giving them power to speak these languages. Now, there were some people in Jerusalem who were from every country in the world. And when they heard the people talking in these different languages that wasn't their native language, they said, I don't get it. They're talking in a language that I understand, but it's not their native tongue. They were completely amazed. And they thought, something is wrong with these people. They've had too much to drink or something. So, so Peter stood up with the, with the apostles and he said, Pay attention to me. 
Joel, the prophet, I about said Pastor Joel, <laughs> but Joel the prophet wrote about what is happening here today. God says, in the last days, I will give my spirit freely to all kinds of people. So what I want to tell you is that the apostles didn't know what languages they were speaking. They were speaking those languages because the Holy Spirit was putting those words in their mouth. They were full of the Holy Spirit, and people could see that they were changed. Now, does that mean the Holy Spirit was putting words in my mouth when I was just talking to you in German and in Spanish? No. No, it doesn't mean just because I can talk in a language that that means that I have the Holy Spirit in me. Okay, if I go like this... Can you all do that? Now are we all filled with the Holy Spirit? Just because we just because we took a deep breath? Okay. You filled up your lungs with air and you are alive. You have to have air to breathe. But that doesn't mean that you're alive with the Holy Spirit. I want to read to you Acts 2. Verse 38, and it tells how we get the Holy Spirit. Peter said to them, change your hearts and lives and be baptized, each one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you. It is also for your children and for all those who are far away. It is for everyone the Lord our God calls to himself. When we are filled with the Holy Spirit, we still look the same, but we're changed. We are new. We have a new purpose, a new way of living, and new meaning to our lives. We can be overcome with an attitude of gratitude. We can be overcome with happy tears. And we can feel the Spirit in us. Pastor Joel will tell us more about how the Holy Spirit helps us live our new lives. Will you help me say a little prayer? I'll say it first, and then we'll all say it together. Okay, we're going to say, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Okay, let's close our eyes. Say it with me. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Amen. Thank you very much for your attention. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Sharon. Thanks, kids. Whoa. No strip. He's good. We're good. All right. Well, thank you all for being uh, being up here this morning, Sharon. Thank you for that children's chat. Um, I'm always amazed at how, uh, you know, children's chat, you guys do a wonderful job uh, tying, tying that message for the kids into our, our scripture passage for the day. And of course, um, in a way that the kids can, can relate and understand. I'll have to admit, I didn't understand you when you were speaking up there either, so we're good to go. Um, 
just want to draw your attention to how we can be praying for each other for a moment here this morning. Um, of course, continue to be in prayer for your church family. Um, there's always needs, uh, whether they're listening to the bulletin or not, uh, you know that there's uh, opportunities to be praying for each other. And so I encourage you to lift those up as well. Also, please be in prayer for VBS. Um, as you can see, we are ready here in the sanctuary to go. Um, we got a, uh, it's either a punching bag or a wrecking ball, however you want to look at that over here on the crane. You can see our theme of construction this year. Um, we're really looking forward to this week and learning how we can build a foundation, our lives on the foundation of Jesus Christ. So um, all you have are sending your kids, your grandkids here. We've been praying for them. So excited for it and excited to share the good news of the gospel with them. And as Tori said earlier, I want to encourage you to continue to be praying throughout the week for our students, for our helpers, for our teachers, everyone who's involved, that we may that it may be a good week of fun and excitement and joy, but also a week where we can share the gospel message with all the children who will be here. Um, also, I want to encourage you to be in prayer for the mission project. I just want to reiterate what Tori said here. We're, the, the kids that are going to be here during the week will get a bottle. But if you don't have kids coming to VBS, uh, if you're not sending anyone from your family here this week, I do want to encourage you to pick up a bottle before you leave here today. Um, so that you can participate in that mission project as well. But if your kids are coming, save the bottles and we'll give them to your kids this week during the, during VBS. So please be in prayer for, for the mission project as well. Uh, this time we are going to go ahead and collect our offering. It does go to support our general fund. Uh, so thank you for your generous gifts that help the ministry of First Church continue throughout the year. And uh, I want to invite the deacons to come forward at this time to collect the offering. And thank you to Adam Orbaugh for our special music this morning. My sin 
Amen. Amen. I invite you to remain standing as we continue to worship the Lord together through song. Our next hymn is number 455 in your hymnals. Come all Christians be committed. God's command 
Amen. If you'd like to sit as we pray, I encourage you to do that as well. Otherwise, you can remain standing as we lift up the Lord in prayer. Father God, I thank you so much for this day. I thank you that we have the opportunity to gather and worship you. Thank you, Lord, for every good and perfect gift, which we know ultimately comes from you. And so this morning, Lord, we praise you for the gift of your spirit to all believers to guide us into all truth, to equip us, to, 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 Lord, sanctify us, to live for you, and to equip us, Lord, to serve others. We thank you, Lord, that your spirit dwells inside your people so that we know that no matter where we go, no matter where we are, you are present with us. And Lord, that is what encourages us now. That is what enables us now to pray to you, to lift up our joys, to lift up our concerns, to lay down our burdens, knowing that you are with us and that your spirit is never far from us. So Lord, we come to you today as your body this morning, and we lift up our brothers and sisters in Christ and our church and our community around our world, Lord, who are in need this day. Lord, you know what is needed. And so where there is healing needed, we pray your healing hand would be upon them. Where provision is needed, we pray, Lord, that you would provide and that you would use your people, your church, to provide where we can. Lord, where restoration and reconciliation is needed, we pray that your spirit would move and draw people together, that sins would be forgiven, that... that. Uh, that you would work in the hearts and minds of people to draw them to yourself and in so doing, draw them to each other as well. Lord, we thank you for your provision here in this church. We thank you for the offering that we just collected and we pray that you would use it to further your kingdom in this place, that the gospel may go forth, not just here in this room, but outside the walls of this church as well. And pray, Lord, that you would enable us to be your hands and feet in a world that desperately needs your love and desperately needs to hear your truth. We pray for VBS this day. We pray that this week would be a time of blessing for all those that are here, both children and helpers. We pray, Lord, that we would be able to proclaim your gospel and that all who hear, Lord, would receive it well. Lord, may we plant seeds in good soil this week that may grow to fruition in time. And may you bless the offering that we'll collect this week for, um, for the mission project. And we ask, Lord, that you would bless them and their work. And I pray, Lord, that we would be able to give generously to further their work in, in this community. And we pray all these things in the name of Jesus, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. The scripture reading this morning comes from 1 Corinthians 12, verses 1 through 11. Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. 
Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given, through the Spirit, a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge, by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith, by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing, by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one, just as he determines. Thank you. Let's pray together again. Father God, we thank you for the reading of your word, and pray now that as we take time this morning to reflect on it, may you guide our our thoughts, may you open up our hearts and minds to what you have to say to us this day, and Holy Spirit, may you give me words to speak. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. I pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. When I was in college, I had a really good friend, uh, still very good friends with him, who loved working on cars. Uh, He always had a car that he was working on, um, always had the hood open, was was tinkering with one thing or, or another. I remember one time, in fact, he was pretty much, uh, he was working on the engine and had all these parts pulled out, and he invited me to come over and help with him. And I will tell you from the get-go, I was well out of my league (laughs) trying to help him with this car. In fact, all he really needed was an extra pair of hands. I wasn't so much lending my knowledge, which wouldn't have gotten him very far. I was just there to help him hold things in place and put things back together and fetch this tool and fetch that tool. Uh, I I haven't always felt... I haven't been in many situations and times where I felt completely ignorant, but that was one of them, feeling just completely out of my league, out of my depth, and, uh, but I was able to, to still help him. In fact, um, it happened on several occasions. He helped me uh, change the brake pads on my car, change the oil, and by that I mean he did it and I watched because um, I didn't learn a whole lot during that process either. But, uh, but as I think about the words that Paul uses to introduce the topic of spiritual gifts here in this passage, he uses the word ignorance, and that is the time in my life where that rang a bell. Maybe you are familiar, maybe you've been in a circumstance where you felt just completely ignorant about a topic or a subject, and you know that's a very uncomfortable feeling. And so as Paul here is beginning to address the idea of spiritual gifts, He says he's doing so because he doesn't want the Corinthian church, and by extension, he doesn't want us to be ignorant about that matter. And I think that's a very important word that he uses there, because more often than not, I feel like we are a little ignorant when it comes to the Holy Spirit and how he works in our lives. That's why we've spent the last couple weeks talking about who the Holy Spirit is and what he does in our lives. And there's three kind of main functions that we've looked at. Two weeks ago, on the day of Pentecost, we talked about how the Holy Spirit works in our lives to bring about our salvation, right? Salvation is, is done 
obviously through, achieved through Christ on the cross and his resurrection, but it is applied to our hearts through the Holy Spirit. He convicts us of sin, righteousness, and judgment. The Holy Spirit also plays a role in our sanctification and our growing to be more and more like Christ. Salvation is the first step in a lifelong journey of following him. And so, so the Holy Spirit also works in us to make us more and more like Jesus. He guides us. He teaches us. He helps us to understand who Jesus is and what he's done for us and how we can apply that to our lives. So those are the last two weeks. Today we're going to wrap up our series looking at how, how, looking at how the Holy Spirit equips us and empowers us to serve God and serve others. So far, all we've talked about is really kind of an internal reality, right? The, the commitment to follow Christ and how he is working in us to change who we are from the inside out. But today we're going to be looking at how those changes, our salvation, the Holy Spirit's presence in our lives, his making us more like Christ now helps us to live differently and to serve others by serve God, excuse me, by serving others. And so we're going to look at the opening verses of chapter 12. And, and really, if we had the time and the wherewithal, we could, uh, Paul, this, this conversation about spiritual gifts begins in chapter 12, verse 1, but it actually extends to the next three chapters. 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14 all deal with the Holy Spirit and the gifts that he gives and how those are meant to play out in the life of the believer and, and also in particular the life of the church. So we're going to be looking at this more from an introduction standpoint, but if you have time this week, I encourage you to read through those chapters as well. We'll reference them just briefly here during our time. But Paul begins by, again, saying he doesn't want them to be uninformed or, or ignorant about, spirit, about the Spirit, about spiritual things. He even references their time before they were Christians. He says, you know that when you were pagans, somehow or other you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. So he, he references the fact that, that something must have changed from the time before they knew Christ, before they received the Holy Spirit, and now after the fact. And Paul even uses the word mute idols. That's important here because he's referencing the fact that these idols that they chased after, these false gods that they worshipped, really were powerless. Right? They couldn't do anything. They couldn't even speak. And yet they were led astray. But this God that we worship, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, isn't mute. He's not silent. He lives and works in the lives of the, in the lives of those who trust Him. And so that's what Paul is going to be explaining to them here now. They're no longer worshiping mute idols. They're worshiping the living God. And it is the living God who lives and works in them. And then in verse three, he also reminds us that it is by the Spirit that people are able to say Jesus is Lord. And it is, it is not the one who does not have the Spirit of God, uh, excuse me, no one who's speaking by the Spirit of God can say Jesus is cursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There's two things to note there. One is that, that those who trust in Christ say that Jesus is Lord. Right? If, if they are able to trust in Christ, if they proclaim Jesus is the Lord, that also means that they have the Holy Spirit in them, because they would not have gotten to that point to confess their faith in such a way if it weren't for the Holy Spirit working in their lives. That's what we talked about two weeks ago. Jesus as Lord is actually one of the first 
confessions of faith of the early church. We think of things like the Apostles' Creed, of the Heidelberg Catechism, of other statements of faith, the Nicene Creed. But Jesus as Lord was the very first one. And it was important because when you said Jesus as Lord, you were being very specific that Caesar was not. One of the, one of the early, uh, I say one of the, for lack of a better term, the Pledge of Allegiance of the Roman Empire was to declare that Caesar is Lord. That he was in some way divine and that he was Lord. He had all of the authority. And so to say Jesus is Lord was to say that Caesar was not. And we see that coming through in Romans chapter 10 as well. In Romans 10, 9 through 10, it says, If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. And we see all throughout the book of Acts as well that when people trust in Christ, when they're able to truly say from their heart, Jesus is Lord, they are then also filled with the Holy Spirit. So those who, who trust in Christ, those who are able to say from the bottom of their heart, Jesus is Lord, are also filled with the Holy Spirit. But we also see that this statement also teaches us that the, the purpose of spiritual gifts, which he's about to get to, the purpose of spiritual gifts is ultimately to glorify Christ, to proclaim him as Lord. All gifts are given to glorify Christ. We're not, spiritual gifts aren't given to lead people astray, right? That's the work of those mute idols. But all spiritual gifts are given to glorify God. That is their primary purpose and their primary function. In fact, that provides a way that we can maybe test what's a spiritual gift and what is not. If the gift, ability, talent, action, whatever it is, if it glorifies Christ and points people to him, then it may be a spiritual gift. If the gift, ability, talent, etc. does not glorify Christ, if it distracts people, if it takes the focus off of Jesus and puts it somewhere else, then it's not from God. And this can get a little bit tricky, right? And I'll, I'll be the first to admit that. Very talented individuals can do very good things. But if the end result is glorifying yourself rather than God, it's always going to miss the mark. In the same way, someone who is less obviously talented can still glorify God by depending on him and pointing people to him through their gifts. I read a story once about a worship leader in a, at a larger church in Texas. And this church had many, many talented and gifted people, naturally gifted singers, musicians. But the person that often led worship on Sunday mornings probably wasn't going to win American Idol anytime soon. They probably weren't the best singer even in the sanctuary that given day. But they had a heart for worship. And so they stood up front and they led people in singing and they led people in worship. And they may not have been the most talented individual, but they certainly were using their spiritual gifts and talents because they were doing it to glorify God and worship him. See, that's the key to it all. That's the key to using talking about spiritual gifts is that they are ultimately meant to glorify God. And we use them to point people to him, not ourselves. In the next section of verses, we see that that though there are many gifts, there is one God who is Lord of them all. We see in verses 4 through 6, he says, There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit who distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. And there are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone is the same God at work. Right? So 
we're all gifted in different ways. We'll talk about that here in just a moment. And there's different opportunities to serve. We may not all serve in the same capacity or in the same way. And there's different opportunities to then use those gifts at different times. But in all things and in all ways, it is the same God who's at work. Paul even here uses Trinitarian language. He talks about the Spirit. He talks about the Lord, which is a reference to the Son. He talks about God, which is obviously a reference to the Father. The Trinity is always at work, even in spiritual gifts, working together. Gifts are given through the Holy Spirit. Gifts are used in obedience to the Son. And gifts are used ultimately according to the will of the Father. Right? It is the Trinity, is the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit working together to equip and enable us to serve him and serve his church and serve our communities. In fact, the Trinity is always at work in everything. We saw a couple weeks ago how it was the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit who worked together to bring about salvation. We see the same thing in creation. It was the Father, Son, and Spirit working together to create the universe. And it's the same that is true here. The, the Trinity... The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit always work in cooperation. And as we talk about spiritual gifts, we must also know that the Holy Spirit will never lead us to use our gifts in a way that contradicts God's will or doesn't glorify Christ. All right, the same principle we talked about last week in regards to the, the guidance of the Holy Spirit, that he'll never teach us something that, that contradicts Scripture or teach us something that contradicts who Jesus is. The Holy Spirit also will not not lead us to use our gifts in a way that that doesn't glorify Christ. The Holy Spirit's main goal, main function in our lives is to reveal Christ, to glorify him. And so the same is true when we talk about how we use our gifts. One of the biggest temptations that we'll run into, and I've already alluded to it this morning, one of the biggest temptations that we'll come to when we talk about using our gifts and serving the church is to, to shine the spotlight on ourselves. Right? It's just a natural temptation. It's a natural, uh, <laughs> the biggest idol that we'll ever deal with in our lives is the idol of self. Right? So even as we try to serve God, the temptation is always going to be to draw attention to us instead of to point the spotlight on Christ. And so we need, we need the Holy Spirit to help us to keep the focus where it belongs, on Christ, to glorify Him. And as we think about how these gifts are used, remember Jesus' words to the disciples in Matthew 28. Before the ascension, as, as Jesus was giving his last words of wisdom, his last command to his disciples, he told them that all authority in heaven and earth has been given to him. And then he says, therefore, go and make disciples. I was reading a, a, a book recently, and they, they were talking about this very passage, and they said, the authority, right, the, the reason we can have confidence in, the, in our own ministries and are in ourselves and in the way that God uses the local church isn't because of us. It's not because of our natural talents or abilities. It's not because we're so good at what we do. The reason we can have confidence in the ministry of the church and in our own lives is because all authority in heaven and earth has been given to Jesus. And it is his spirit that lives in us. And so it's, it's not dependent on me. It's not dependent on Tori or anyone else. It's dependent on the presence of Jesus in our lives through the Holy Spirit and his authority that works in and through us. Right? There, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to him. Therefore, we have confidence in serving the Lord 
because of who he is, right? And, and it's all authority in heaven on earth, which means there's nowhere we can go. There's no place we can serve. There's no ministry that we can work in that is outside of the scope of God's authority in Christ and through the presence of his Holy Spirit. And that should bring us confidence, right? Because it's not about us. It's not about me and how talented I am or how talented you are. It's about God working in and through you through the Holy Spirit. And so, so we have Paul here reminding us that it is one God at work in us. But then he also reminds us that God, that one God works in us in a variety of ways. That in the body of Christ, there is unity within diversity. In verses 7 through 11, Paul talks about the different gifts that are given. Uh, and he says that gifts are given to each one. In verse 7, now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. I want to pause here for a moment on that sentence. To each one, right? Which means that these gifts are given to all believers. As I said before, if you proclaim Jesus as Lord, that means the Holy Spirit is in you. And if the Holy Spirit is in you, that means that he's also working in you and through you for the good of the kingdom, which means you've been gifted as well. All born-again believers have the Spirit. No one is left out. Therefore, each one of us also also has been given a spiritual gift. One of my dad's favorite cartoons growing up was Charlie Brown. He loved watching the Charlie Brown holiday specials. In, in particular, the one about Halloween, right? As Charlie and Brown and his friends are going around and, and collecting candy from neighbors, Charlie Brown, everybody else gets candy, gets something good. Charlie Brown gets a rock, right? And he's disappointed. He goes, man, I just got a rock, right? The Holy Spirit doesn't give us rocks, right? He doesn't just leave us out. He is gifted each and every one of you. And, and none of those gifts are rocks. None of them are duds. They've all been given in accordance to the Holy Spirit, and that's the next thing. We've all been given a gift, but they've, we've been given gifts as the Holy Spirit sees fit, according to his will, not our own. Different gifts are di- given to different people, but it's not up to us to decide which gifts we've been given. It's not up to each church to decide what gifts that we will exercise. It is the Spirit who sovereignly distributes the gifts as he sees fit. Different churches, different communities, even different people have different needs and therefore need different gifts to meet those needs. And they all work according to the will and knowledge of God. What do I mean by that? It means that the Holy Spirit may work differently in you than he does in me. I can venture a guess that there's probably very few, very few of you who would be willing right now to come up and preach like I am right this moment. That doesn't mean you can't, and that doesn't mean you won't, but that doesn't, maybe that means that that's not the gift that he's given you. There's different gifts for different purposes, different reasons. And he gives them, distributes them differently to different people to fulfill those different needs. That's why he goes on to talk here. He gives just a a small example of the different kinds of gifts that were given. And the reason he lists these ones particularly is because these are probably the gifts that were in use in the church in Corinth. But if you look at other passages, passages of Scripture where Paul talks about gifts, like in Romans chapter 12 or in Ephesians chapter 4, you see that there's other gifts that are also named. And so these lists aren't meant to be exhaustive. They're not complete lists of spiritual gifts. They're just examples of the kinds of gifts that the Spirit gives. And we can think about them in, in kind of three main categories. There's lots of different ways that you can kind of categorize the gifts. But one way that I found helpful, and I didn't come up with this myself, it's from uh, several different pastors I've read that have uh, talked along these lines, is to think about them in the terms of, of prophet, 
pastor and king. We can think about all spiritual gifts that can fall in those three categories. And the reason why I think this is helpful is because if spiritual gifts are given so that we can be the hands and feet of Christ in the world and continue the work that he began, then it just makes sense to think of the gifts in terms of Christ's ministry. And, and Christ fulfilled those three roles. He was our prophet. He was our priest or, in a more familiar word, pastor. And he was certainly our king. And so let's think about those three categories and how gifts may fall in there. Uh, a prophet is someone who spoke to the people on behalf of God. So gifts that enable, like, preaching and teaching, those sorts of things, would fall under that category. Gifts where the Spirit enables us to communicate God's truth to people, to edify them, to encourage them, to build them up. Those would be gifts that would fall in that category. The pastor or priestly gifts would be gifts of encouragement, of counseling, of support, of hospitality. The gifts that enable you to come alongside another individual and help them and support them in their time of need. That's what pastors are called to do. And so gifts that enable you to help someone in their time of need would be pastorly or priestly gifts. And then finally, the last category is is kingly gifts. And those are gifts that go more towards administration and structure, right? Gifts that enable people to do, to thrive well. Um, And those are very important gifts in, in a church, right? To, to make sure things are running smoothly, running properly, and making sure things get done. Those administrative, you know, structure sort of gifts would fall under that third category. And the last thing to notice in this last section of verses, besides the variety of gifts, is also their ultimate purpose. We talked about they're given to glorify God, but they're also given for the common good. They're not meant for individual personal benefit. They're used, they're meant to be used to glorify God and ultimately to serve others as well. In 1 Peter 4, 10 through 11, it says, Each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. So they're not meant to be used for our own personal benefit, but to glorify God and to serve others. I mentioned earlier that, that this is merely the introduction in three chapters that talk about gifts. And very briefly, I want to give you uh, what, what those other chapters remind us of. 1 Corinthians 13, which is often thought of as the love chapter, is right here in the middle of, of this conversation on gifts. So while it is often read at weddings and can certainly uh, speak to that situation as well, the, the, the normal, excuse me, the, the primary function of that was to talk about how we use our gifts, and they all should be done in a matter of love. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing." If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. See how that makes sense in the context of the conversation we're having here? All gifts need to be used in the context of loving God and loving others. Everything we do needs to be done in the context of loving God and loving others. And spiritual gifts are no different. And then in 1 Corinthians 14, Paul goes on to talk about how gifts are meant ultimately to then also edify the church. Right to build up the church. So when when you're thinking about how you can 
what God has given you and how God has gifted you. We always have to think about how you can use that gift to then build up our brothers and sisters in Christ. That gift is not given for your personal benefit. It's given so that you can bless others in and through it. Multiple times in, in chapter 14, verses 3 through 5, as well as chapter excuse me, verse 12 and verse 26, Paul reminds the Corinthians that these gifts are given to edify the church, to build it up. So in closing, I want to encourage you to, to do a few things this week. One, if you're a believer, I want to remind you that you're called to serve. Right? All believers have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gives us spiritual gifts. And therefore, if you're a believer, you have the Spirit and you have a spiritual gift. You may not know what it is. You may, may wonder what God has gifted you with. But know that you are gifted and that God is calling you to serve. Use that gift to glorify Him and to serve others. You may wonder how to know what your spiritual gift is. Well, there's ways that you can figure that out through prayer, through the reading of scripture, through talking with others, right? We all have blind spots in our own lives and there might be someone you know that knows you well that can point out how you're gifted. Others can help you see yourself better. But I think the best way that we can find out how we're gifted is simply through serving, don't worry so much about labeling your gift or categorizing it or slapping a name on it. It's not important what you call it. What's important is that you serve, right? That you look for opportunities to serve and ask, what can I do to glorify God? What can I do to serve others? And ultimately, like, what brings us joy, right? Because God, God will bring contentment and fulfillment as we learn to follow him and serve him. If you can answer those questions, then you know what your gift is. And finally, we need to then use them. I've heard people say that a football game is like 50,000 people desperately in need of exercising, watching 22 people desperately in need of a rest, right? We often fall into that same trap here in churches. We have, we have people that are serving and they're serving and they're in danger of growing tired and wearing out. And we have others that, that are gifted and God is wanting you to use your gifts, yet we still sit on the sidelines. And so I want to encourage you to use your gift. Don't sit on the sidelines. Don't, don't be a spectator. Be a participant. And know that there is no retirement plan when it comes to serving the Lord. You may retire from work, right? You may transition into different seasons of life, but no one ever stops serving the Lord. You may not serve in the same way you did when you were younger, but you can still serve, Right? If I believe, I firmly believe that if you are alive today, if you are here, if you're hearing the sound of my voice, that God has equipped you to serve and he desires that you do so. And one of the ways that we can serve is through prayer. I do believe that faithful intercessory prayer is a spiritual gift and is much, much needed. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your, your word. Thank you, Lord, that it is a, a light for our feet, a lamp for our feet and a light for our path. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would fill us and equip us to serve you and serve your church. And may you work in and through us to glorify your name. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Let's stand and let's sing our closing praise song together. Where there is war and fighting 
May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen. You may go in peace.
I'm on my knees again. God, I'm begging, please again. I need you. Oh, I need you. Walking down these desert roads, water for my thirsty soul. I need you. Oh, I need you. Your forgiveness is like sweet, sweet honey on my lips. Like the sound of a symphony to my ears. Like holy water on my skin. Dead man walking, slave to sin. I want to know about being born again. I need you. Oh God, I need you. So take me to the riverside, take me under, baptized, I need you, oh God, I need you. Your forgiveness is like sweet, sweet honey on my lips, it's like the sound of a symphony to my ears. It's like holy water on my skin. I don't want to abuse your grace. God, I need it every day. It's the only thing that ever really makes me want to change. I don't want to abuse your grace. God, I need it every day. It's the only thing that ever really makes me want to change. I don't want to abuse your grace. God, I need it every day. It's the only thing that ever really makes me want to change. Your forgiveness. It's like sweet, sweet honey on my lips Like the sound of a symphony to my ears It's like holy water, your forgiveness It's like sweet, sweet honey on my lips It's like the sound of a symphony to my ears like holy water on my skin. It's like holy water on my skin. It's like holy water. Yeah, yeah.